Frank, it's story time on Merge Conflict, episode 171. How are you, Frank? Yeah, I just figure our last episode was so info-packed, it's time for just a more relaxing episode. Story time. How am I doing? I'm doing terrible. I was just fixing a crashing bug, James. A crashing bug in my own app. How embarrassing. That's pathetic. I mean, my apps are flawless, Frank. So, I mean, I can't even comprehend like what is happening on your side of the world. So, I mean, basically podcast over. No one cares. Click. <laughs> yeah, obviously, <laughs> everything that I've learned over the years of creating reliable software, just ignore everything I said, because this bug, you run my app and the app crashes. You don't get to see a darned thing. That's like... It's like rookie mistake, man. <laughs> yeah. Did you insert some bad code? Like, did an API change from underneath you? I mean, did you just write throw? Like, did you just write throw in the app delegate? Yeah, that's what I did. I did an update. <laughs> Main throw, throw not implemented. This app's not implemented. Okay. Okay. Hold oh, on. Geez. So, okay. So I I've had this before. I've had this before. Okay. Where you're debugging your app. Things are good. And then maybe you package it up, you push it to test flight uh, or bundle up, you know, a finalized package and then you run it and then boom. And that usually traces down to compilation or linker settings or something like that. Is that what we're talking about? Is that the story? Did you are you struggling with the linker again, Frank? Oh, I wish it were that simple. That'd be nice. Uh, linker errors, they're terrible. Um, but in this case, no, this is something Deeper down in the OS, James, I get to blame Apple. It's all Apple's fault. <laughs> Does this have to do with uh, update season, Frank? Uh, I'm just saying. Why? Everyone, I, I, I've I've been I've been honestly side sidebar here is everything that I've been doing open source for all my libraries has been keeping up with Apple and Google because now people are running. The same exact library on newer OSs and things are crashing now. And like no, like file.move crashes for some reason. And like it didn't before. And I'm like, why? It doesn't make any sense. You know, uh, as, as I'm assuming this is what's happening here. You, you nailed it, James. I mean, yeah, perfect. On the head, that's exactly what happened. For some reason, memmove doesn't work anymore. It's not quite that one, but pretty darned close. And it's funny. I'm thinking like uh, we always talk about the beta summer. I'm thinking this is like the hangover from the beta summer. This is like, oh, I just thought that was all a bad dream. But no, now I actually have to deal with the actual consequences of all these changes they made in the OS. So story time begins, James, in the beta summer. And I downloaded the Catalina beta. I think we talked about it here on the episode. And I, like everyone else, uh, found it a little bit buggy. <laughs> in fact, the very first thing it did was completely destroy my iCloud files and uh, ruin directory structures in there. And that was delightful if it wasn't also burning the CPU at 100% and couldn't run any apps. Uh, did you ever get around to installing a beta, Mac? Sounds great. <laughs> no, I never have. I never will ever again. Never will. Um, <laughs> I've also heard, by the way, that not much has changed since the beta has left. But um bump. <laughs> well, it didn't stop other people from installing it. Uh, no, things got a little bit better. Um, I was actually running beta six. And by beta six, they had basically turned off all the worst features, all the buggiest features. And the thing was running mostly right. Except 
it just wouldn't run some apps, like even Apple apps. It couldn't run Keynote, which is kind of hilarious because I went to that F-Sharp conference, Open F-Sharp, and um, I was running Catalina, the, the, the beta at the time, and I couldn't even do my PowerPoint presentation because neither PowerPoint nor uh, Keynote wanted to work on that computer. Mm. Yeah. That is uh, not ideal per se. Right. So here's where I start to blame Apple. Because it was so buggy when iCircuit, my app, didn't run on the operating system, guess who I blamed? Just out of hand without investigating. Well, I'm assuming you're not going to blame yourself. I have to imagine you are blaming perhaps the poor .NET and Xamarin folks or F-Sharp folks. I don't know. No. Somebody at Microsoft. No. Well, hmm, no, I, I went straight to Apple for this one because I'm like, oh, because oh, so you actually did. You did blame Apple right off the bat. You were like, yeah. you know what? It did work. Now it doesn't work. What well, gives? If Keynote doesn't run, I have no faith in what that operating system is doing. Who knows what's going on in the background? Uh, OK, so because of that, I just assume that, you know, when when Catalina becomes stable, my Apple becomes stable. Oh, I was dumb. This is why I'm calling it the hangover from the beta summer. So, you know what Apple ended up doing? They released that puppy, <laughs> like beta 11 or so. <laughs> they said, well, that's enough. We're just going to release it. Have you updated to that? It's not a beta anymore. You can update. So it has officially come out, what, last week? This week? We're recording this on the 11th to date this episode specifically. Didn't it just come out this week? Yeah, I don't know the release date because it's all very confusing because they did. Um, I actually got stuck on the beta, James. <laughs> and so I was very confused. It, I don't it's been a while since I've done a Mac beta. But the way I remembered it was you use the beta, you use the beta. And then when the real operating system is released, then it just magically updates to the real operating system. I, I sound so foolish now that I'm reciting this out loud, but that's what I thought was going to happen. Turns out, no, you have to go through a much more complicated step. Step one, you have to uninstall the profile that you installed to allow yourself onto the beta program, but it's not listed under the profiles. Instead, it's list. It's actually just this little hyperlink that you have to click within the um, software update tool of the operating system. That took me a while to figure out. So you click that little link and you think, great, now I'm going to get updated to the not beta. And still, the little guy says, nope, uh, we're going to leave you here on the beta. In fact, I even upgraded to multiple betas during this process. It took forever, James. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have in the past, I used to do Android betas and I would do like Windows fast ring betas. And then at some point I was like, no, no, I'm OK. Like I don't maybe especially not the first one, maybe later on. But, you know, Windows is like just constantly updating and revving all the time. And at least Android would have like specific snapshots or whatever. But even the first ones, like sometimes I was just scared that it was going to blow away my computer. But I remember early on in in it, you almost had to do like a, a reformat. It's like, hey, you're being part of this beta. We're going to we will attempt like we will attempt to gracefully upgrade. But I'm just saying you're probably not going to be able to. So did you actually upgrade 
the machine successfully on October 7th when it was the when the official release date was because I just looked it up? No, I successfully updated just a few days ago. <laughs> this is all pretty recent oh, okay. for me because I got stuck into that beta problem that I mentioned. Mm. I thought magic was going to happen and it didn't. <laughs> and so I just assumed that the release wasn't out. This was one of Apple's shadiest releases. They really didn't do it with much fanfare, maybe for some reasons. <laughs> Um, but you know, uh, truth be told, I'm still not updating my main dev computer. I'm just updating my laptop because yeah, I'm still a little bit afraid of the operating system for my main machine. Yeah, I would be. It seems, seems scary. Yeah. Uh, so just to close out, so to get off the beta, hit that link, and then you actually have to go to the app store and then say, get the new operating system. And that puts your machine back into a happy state where it'll finally update to the real thing. Then, of course, uh. <laughs> have you heard the other joke about all this? Uh, Xcode 11. So you get your machine updated. Xcode 11, you need it if you want to build against the new SDK. And um, lots of people are having trouble installing xcode 11 like the silly thing it's done under the app store which is usually very reliable but and and i'm not saying that with any sarcasm it usually is very reliable but this time like it's not installing on a lot of people's machines and guess what didn't want to install on my machine either but i'm bump oh no aren't bugs fun <laughs> it's an updates our uh, updates are fun <laughs> Yeah, because it's a dual dual system, right? Because they're updating the OS, they have to do back compat, they have to do forward compat. They probably were making those betas of Xcode compatible along the way too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, 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 I don't. I'm not envious of <laughs> those process. poor employees that and the test matrix yeah. because I installed it. What am I even running? Hold on. Let me. I, I have. I just installed Xcode 11. 11 Xcode 11.1. Yeah, that's the newest. I was forced. Well, 11.2 is in beta now. It. So if you want to get bleeding, of course it, it, of is, course of it course. is. But yeah, 11.1. I'm on I'm on Mo I'm on Mojave. Is that new? Is that new? Is that is that the old Sorry, one? Sorry, buddy. That's old. Mojave. But um it's probably gonna be around for a while because Canalina has some issues with well, it does it doesn't run 32-bit apps. And so I think that there's gonna be a lot of people not upgrading out of that kind of fear. We'll see. I, I would wait maybe a month before doing the update myself, <laughs> at least on your main machine. Yep, yep. Good times, good times. But um, little do I ever remember this, but um, you, you usually get Xcode off the App Store, but you can also go to a developer downloads website on uh, Apple. If you go to developer.apple.com, yeah. Yeah, it needs to be the the only way that you would get it. You would get the old GM ones, or if you need an older version of Xcode, right. that's where you need to go. Yeah, it's such a good list because you can go get all that old stuff. You can, yeah, you can even get some old OSs. I think they have some server versions on there for testing. Hmm. So good, good, good. Download that thing. Wait forever. Get it installed. Get it running. Finally, James, I'm ready to investigate this bug. Finally, I have a machine capable of investigating this bug, and I run it. And I get, what what is the worst crash that you can think of? Or just the one that frustrates you the most or the one that makes you sigh? 
the most. The Sigasigavev, Sigavolt thingy. That's the one that is Sigrev or what? I don't even know what it is. Sigfault, yeah. Sigabort, yeah, Sigfault. It's that era that you're like, something has gone absolutely terribly wrong that there's no information here that will even help me do anything. That's what I related to. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. You know, when I was asking the question, my mind actually went to those errors. So I, I kind of agree with you. So I'm going to ask you, what is the second most frustrating error? Null reference exception. Mm. You start my uh, app yeah. and it says null reference exception. And I'm just, what in the world? What in the world, James? So, <laughs> so, so, so. Um, after doing some investigation, turned out it's not just a null reference exception, but I want to take this moment and do a PSA. Everyone, <laughs> go to your project settings, change your language version to C Sharp 8.0, uh, go to whatever checkbox you need or <laughs> whatever you need to modify, enable null reference uh, checking stuff, whatever it is, turn warnings to errors, and fix your code because. Oh my God, I am so tired of null reference exceptions. Are you doing that in your libraries, James? <laughs> no, I haven't done it yet. I'm sorry. Please. The nullable, nullable <laughs> reference types. Is that what it yes. is? Yes. Yes, exactly. Please, everyone, adopt it. It makes your code better. Well, especially you're, you're talking about that Sigabor exception, which for sure does not give you much information. But even this exception was a single line of information, null reference exception and the function that threw it. Not even like a tall call stack, just that's it. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. great. Yeah. And uh, uh, I don't want to. OK, I, I got to. I'm not throwing a library under the bus, but this is what happened. It was in Skia, James. Aw, Skia. Oh, no. We did a whole episode on how I'm a convert to Skia because, um, well, I really like it because it's fast. <laughs> they have an OpenGL driver where all of your drawing commands get executed on the GPU. And it can do a very beautiful job rendering. It uses anti-aliasing. Uh, and it's fast. Have I mentioned fast? I like fast. It's very important to me. <laughs> yeah, especially for the type of application that you're doing, which is a lot of drawing at really high speeds. Yeah, exactly. Um, 60 frames per second on iOS devices and 120 frames per second on uh, iPad Pros. So you're drawing a lot. At the same time, my thing's doing a lot of computations, so I need really efficient drawing libraries. But it was crashing, James. <laughs> so how did you? How did you? Did, so did you just go and turn on your C sharp eight features to find this, or did? How did you actually find that it was this deep down Open GL bug? I mean, it seems like there was no information there. Oh well, thankfully, the single line of stack trace that I got is um, uh, the the function that threw that exception was this Skia Sharp OpenGL view, and it's in oh, its okay. render method. So it was pretty oh, obvious. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bug in that render method somewhere. <laughs> which which is yeah. good because then it's not your bug, but it also makes it worse. Yes. Because <laughs> I can't. It's fix not it. your bug. <laughs> Yeah. Well, listen, Frank, <laughs> let's take a second and thank our good friends over at Raygun, because listen, are you struggling to replicate bugs and performance issues that your customers are reporting? Yes. This yes, is I literally am, the perfect episode. 
Listen, you can plug Raygun into your web app, mobile app, anything right now, and it will help you diagnose all of these issues in minutes rather than hours upon hours that Frank has wasted. You can kiss goodbye having to dig through log files and frustrating user reports. No, no, no. Make your software development life so much easier by using Raygun's error, crash, and performance monitoring tools. You can make your software absolutely flawless by going to raygun.com and giving it a free trial today. Just go to raygun.com. And thanks to our friends at Raygun for sponsoring this week's pod. I almost forgot what I was going to say there, Frank. <laughs> we love oh. you, Raygun. Thank you very much. Ah. So you get this you get this message, and then you go and you ping Matthew Leibowitz right away because you know that he's the Skia Sharp maintainer. I tried to be a little bit better than that. What's the next thing you do first? You uh, right-click update packages, right? Because uh, yes, yes, it it it's actually uh, I don't want to admit how long it's been, but it's been a little while since I did an I circuit release, and who knows what's uh, advanced the state of the art, you know? So I get those packages, load them all up. Indeed, um, they hadn't updated the library, so now I don't feel so bad about my release schedule. But there was a preview version out, so enable the previews, load that puppy up, get it running. The app loads and then crashes with a new error. Oh, <laughs> oh my heart sunk. <laughs> you know, you, you get a little and then they take a little bit away. And um, so the classic highlight everything in the error message, paste it into Google, cross your fingers, say a chant, prayer, whatever it takes. And, oh, someone else has run into the air. So thank goodness I'm not alone. Isn't that the worst when, like, you get a really... Because this was this actually was your SIG board or your SIG fault or whatever the heck it was kind of exception. And like you said, those are the worst. So especially if you're the only one out there that's ever gotten it. It's true. You go and you you boot it up and you say, all right, well, I hope that somebody... Please, somebody is also using this. And additionally, you're using this on the Mac, which not not to throw shade onto the Mac, but the proportionate amount of you're looking at here's the, here's what happens. OK, let's just say you get there's how I go through crashes. So let's just say you get an Android or an iOS crash, right? Doesn't matter if you're in Xamarin, if you're in iOS, if you're in Flutter, if you're in React Native, that's an iOS crash, which means that even if a native language developer got that crash, guess what? There's probably a lot of people that are writing iOS and Android apps. Awesome. Now, already you're running a Mac app, which means there's significantly mm -hmm. less people writing a Mac app. Now, on top of that, you, you are, um, you're using a, another library or framework such as a Xamarin, and you could use any of these other ones. So now you've, you've, cut into that chunk a little bit. Google and, and Xamarin. It's two different companies. <laughs> yes. And then you're using a library that's not even from. So you're using a library, which is a binding over another company's product, right? This is the yeah. layers deep of dependencies that are going. So the question becomes, is it a problem in Google stack? Is it a problem in the binding stack? Is it a problem in the Apple stack? Is it a, is it a problem in the Xamarin stack? Is it a problem in your code somewhere that you could just pass something into a method and then magically something enables that becomes the question. And I'm looking at two hours ago that at Proclarum says I'm getting the same crash after upgrading. 
this seems pretty critical. That's all I'm seeing here. <laughs> I'm looking, I'm, I'm going to link to this uh, in here. So you, you see this, this is issue number 968, bug macOS entry point not found exception after upgrading to 1.681-RC.147. <laughs> 147. Let's just call it 147 for short. <laughs> yep. So all, everything you just said it was true. I had no idea who to blame. Or then, look, there's this error. I don't know. No one knows. <laughs> Someone posted the bug. Literally, no one knows where, where the errors come from. So what do you do? What do you do, James? What do you do? I just decided that I needed a better error message. I thought, maybe I'll go back to the old version that was giving that null reference exception. And instead of using the binary, the NuGet package for the code, I'll just copy and paste their view implementation into my program. It's not quite as bad as it sounds because it was only like 150 lines of code, so it, I can paste it in. And if it's using my version, then I can debug it. I can, you know, inspect things. Good times. Got it. Yeah. Yes. And the other thing that's possible too, I'm shocked that you didn't do is, I'm shocked that you just didn't pull down the code yourself and compile it yourself, no? That's essentially what I'm doing, but I didn't want to do the whole thing uh, because their build is kind of complicated because it is a mix of so many libraries and everything that doing a build of Skia itself is a little bit tricky. Thankfully, it's pretty well factored and you can override things and w without too much complexity. Uh, for example, the OpenGL view itself, like the view object that you add to your app, is only 150 lines of code. So copy and pasting that in and getting the library references right is much easier than getting Skia, it's Skia and Skia Sharp to build. Gotcha. That makes sense. That makes yep. Sense. And what do I discover? <laughs> it's not really Skia's fault. Um, they are trying to create an OpenGL render target, whatever. It's this hunk of memory trying to create some GPU memory. But OpenGL is just saying, no. No, you can't have it. And diagnosing these kinds of problems is so complicated. Let's just start with OpenGL is complicated, especially with all the different versions out there running. Who knows uh, how it's actually running on a Mac. But now I get to go back and blame Apple again because Apple has officially um, deprecated OpenGL, saying we're tired That's of right. it. Yeah, that's right. They what they're switching to their own metal. thing. Something new, metal baby, metal, just metal. <laughs> You're supposed to do everything metal. in metal. Which, oh my God, James, I complained about this a year or two ago when it was first announced. But let me complain again. OpenGL is like the only cross-platform graphics library out there. <laughs> I know it's a monster, and I'm sure it's the worst thing in the world to maintain. But gosh, Apple. It's OpenGL. Like, we have nothing else other than this thing. Uh, so, like, I can't blame Xamarin or Microsoft or Google because what can they do if the OpenGL driver is just like, no. Uh, before, yes, I would give you this memory, but since Catalina, no, I'm not going to give you that memory. Like, how do you debug that? How do you figure that out? It's a terrible chain. Yeah, I don't think you do i mean i mean somebody does that's sort of the 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 the, the issue and i think at that point 
I guess you got to get in contact with the maintainers or hope. I mean, because I know that this was a bug that was filed a, a while ago, but, you know, of course, you know, yeah. it's a little bit tricky to to uh, to ping people. Who knows? People are on vacation. It's kind of vacation mm-hmm. time, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I actually did end up resorting to that at this point. Uh, but let me make sure we're up to date because there are actually two versions of Skia Sharp. So I had the old version that had that OpenGL bug. But then the new version, it didn't have that OpenGL bug, but had its own new bug. So that's the state we're in. Two different bugs preventing me from, yeah. So it's a little bit, yeah. One Apple issue, potentially. One maybe Skia issue in general. Nobody knows for sure. It could be one or the other at this point. But it's... For for different ones, for different reasons, which makes it very hard to debug, <laughs> right. too, because if they were the same issue, you're like, okay, like, hey, this is a long-term thing, but it's actually Right, not. yeah. The good news was, magically, by whatever, the OpenGL parts seem to have been fixed in the Skia. Perhaps um, it just passed different parameters to the operating system. There have been too many changes for me to quite figure out exactly what the change was that fixed it, but... Whatever they're asking for for from OpenGL, it's the oper- operating system's giving it to them. There's just this other bug. So <laughs> now you ping the author on Twitter and hope that <laughs> they're paying attention today and it's a Friday and they're probably not. So pack it up for the weekend, basically. Uh, but I got super lucky. And um, Matt, and can you say his last name? Because I don't have it in front of me and I don't want to say it wrong. Matthew Leibowitz. Matthew Leibowitz, he uh, got back to me very quickly on Twitter, not so much with a solution, but more like, hey, there's a newer version. <laughs> Why don't you try that? <laughs> and but, that, yeah. that sounds good. Like, hey, there's a newer, newer version. Wink. Magic. Here's a magical thing that doesn't exist anywhere else. But wink, it's around. Yeah, well, I had basically decided I'm not going to be able to fix it by the weekend just because of my bad timing of doing this on a Friday. And so when he sent me that, I was just elated. I was like, I'll try anything. <laughs> like, whatever. I just want to get this app out. Um, so uh, it was a private NuGet feed. I don't do these very often. I often forget that they even exist. So when I went to look for a new version of Skia Sharp, I just thought, Go look at the preview pre-release feed on Nougat or Fugit, whichever one you want to use. <laughs> uh, I had totally forgotten about private Nougat feeds. I I yeah. just have to remind myself about them, I guess. They're a thing. They're a thing, Frank. I was literally updating a bunch of my plugins. And as soon as I do a, a pull request, if someone in the open source does a pull request to one of my libraries, it will kick off my CI cycle and it just does a build. And if I accept it, Literally within five minutes, it is on a private NuGet feed. All of my NuGets have a private NuGet feed. So the concept there is you did a pull request. You need a fix. You can pull it in as soon as I accept your pull request. Not if your pull request passes CI, but if I accept your pull request into the mainline, you can get access to that. And it's also a nice history of every sort of check into master. Like here's every single version that's happened. And you could correlate the builds together and, and obviously the the uh, hashes and, and things like that. So that's really nice. But what I find is that nobody uses them. Nobody even wants to use pre-releases. People are like, I've been waiting a month for you to ship this 
you know, NuGet release. Uh, and I'm just like, I don't use the pre-release and like can't use pre-release software. Sorry. And I was oh. like, oh, I'm like, there's not going to be any difference. Like it's literally one says beta at the end. One doesn't say beta at the end. I was like, if you need if you need the fix, get the fix. Right. <laughs> um, which is hard because I never know when to flip that bit. Right. I figure you have the private feed, you have a, a public feed and, you know, we'll figure out if there's a critical, critical thing then I can push it out if there's like a little tiny thing. But sometimes I don't update a mainline for a year and then I'm like, what did I put into master? I don't even remember anymore. And then I'm scared to release a new version. So um, I can understand. So that's kind of like the, the area of it, which is which is that there's all of these private feeds, which are very easy to set up. The problem is that you got to go set them up, right? You got to go set them up in CI. You got to go um, you got to go set them up in your IDE and then hope that, you know, when you go to update it later, like, all right, am I pulling from this feed or I'm pulling from that feed? So I can see why people don't like them, but they are magical when you need something and you need it now. Because every time, like I said, there's master builds, it auto deploys to the my get that I have, and then I manually push it to NuGet. So that's my flow, by the way. Oh, I like it a lot. I've actually been using uh, GitHub Actions lately. And mm. GitHub also has package serving. So I've been really tempted to set up all my libraries to start doing basically what you're describing. So every time you hit master, put a package up into the repo. I just got to get used to this decentralized world, I guess. I don't like tracking down packages like that. I really like the centralized model of NuGet. Yeah. And yeah, Matthew uh, agrees with you. He said the same thing. It's like... Uh, yeah, I'm not sure how many people are actually using the private uh, feeds that they have. And and I replied, well, you know, NuGet's free. <laughs> Let's just all abuse Microsoft, upload everything to Microsoft. But there, there's, I'm sure there's arguments both ways. You don't want to have a billion different versions, especially not every commit to master should go on NuGet. So that is a tricky line, definitely, that we all have to kind of figure out. Yeah, it is. It is. And I and I have a whole blog post that I'll link to in the show notes all about how I do my CI and CD and I sort of cookie cutter them there. And yeah, I started to look funnily enough, you know, who I got inspiration from was JSON.net. Okay. Because if you look at Newtonsoft.json, it's very peculiar in what he does. So if you go there right now today, so I'm going to post you the link to just the, the latest here. Mm -hmm. He's on 1203 beta two. Now 1203 beta one is there, but bef before that, then there's 1202, 1201, 1102, 11, like all the betas go missing. Like he D lists them. Like there's only very specific numbers with beta one, beta two, and how he pushes them out. And uh, it's it's just peculiar and interesting to me, just in general, how it all works. Uh, but he delists all of the non-technically stable releases. Yeah, in it, I like it. It's crazy. It's a good system. Yeah, mm -hmm. I might adopt that. the The truth is, I usually only do one or two pre-releases, so it doesn't clutter up my feed that much. But if I was doing something on every commit to master, <laughs> it would definitely be a different story there. Yeah, I like it. I like keeping it clean. You got to be really confident, though, that no one that you didn't change one little minute thing that one person depends on in one of those betas. Plus, um, the, the one trick I have is uh, I still haven't figured out how from the command line from the CI side 
to use custom feeds. I feel like being a M Microsoft MVP .NET and toolings person, I should really be better at this, James. <laughs> so I have to go read some tutorials on how to get command line NuGet and command line .NET to be happy with private feeds because right now my build server is blinking red. I think that, so I have always used um, NuGet in the IDE. So you can add a source, you can pick it, and then it gives you a dropdown. However, obviously NuGet command line, you need, um, or even MS build, if you're on a CI server, you would need to configure it. And I'm sure this is where we're getting in this podcast yeah. at some point. But I there's a thing that you can add to your solution called the NuGet config file. And you can set up all of your third party ones. You can just say, hey, you know, add all these feeds. And then it'll just, as long as the version number is there, it'll pick whatever feed has that version number that you're referencing. Um, else it'll, That's what it'll I mean. blow up. That sounds right. Now. That sounds like yeah. the good way to do it. Yeah. But it's just the, a... the question is, Frank, mm -hmm. did the thing work? Like you have the feed, like did it, did it, did it work? What happened? It did, James. It oh. ran. <laughs> this is kind of amazing because like, Otherwise, who knows how to track down a, a, a mistake like this? It, it was so hard to even find the definition of the function that was missing and all that. But I updated the NuGet, ran the thing, and it ran just like smooth as glass. OpenGL wasn't complaining. Catalina wasn't complaining. All that. Now, there's still one more step I have to take. And that is iCircuit runs on more than just Catalina. I have to make sure that it still runs on, well, I just recently had to update the minimum OS version. I used to have a minimum OS version of 10.7, which was Snow Leopard, which was like seven or eight years ago. <laughs> and I really wanted to stay at uh, 10.7, but turns out Xamarin is saying we all got to be on 10.9 now, so... But what does that mean? I have to go run virtual machines for iOS 10.9, 10.10, 10.11, 10.12. Guess what's next? 10.13 to test all those different versions because that's how crazy something like OpenGL and these kind of low-level things are. If this is just like a little C-sharp code fix where I change how something draws or interaction works, I don't have to do that kind of thorough testing. But for something that's so core to the app, that's the main view renderer, uh, I kind of force myself to go through this torture because otherwise I can easily fix it on one version of the OS and have it fail on yet an older version. So how do you go about testing your app on all of those OSs? Do you have Mac machines lying around with every every version? Wouldn't that be nice? No, that'd, that'd be a nightmare to maintain. Um, I run Mac server in a virtual machine. So um, for every desktop released version of Mac OS, there's actually a server version of it, which is essentially oh. the same OS uh, with the one added benefit that it's capable of being run as a virtual machine uh, at, under a virtual machine. So on my one big iMac, I run four or five different versions of Mac OS so I can easily test the app out. Um, licensing. Let's not talk about that. 
let's assume it's fine. <laughs> but this is uh, this has been my biggest uh, solution to that problem uh, because maintaining old machines is just too hard. You have to do it virtually. Yeah, that that is one of the conundrums, and it and like you said, it's it's not only it's it. This is the this is the conundrum for every single app developer ever at this point, right? We just assume that hopefully we're testing on the latest hardware, that when we do stuff, it works on the older hardware or vice versa. Sometimes you need to release an app, but you don't have, you know, the latest version of iOS 13 or Android 10 or anything like that. You don't have a physical device, you know, to update it. On iOS, it's quite easy, usually because they update everything. However, on Android, you know, a lot of devices don't update. So you're stuck on a specific version, which is very tedious. And um, if they do update, there's no way to get back. In fact, for Xamarin Essentials, I have a drawer full of Android devices running a bunch of different versions of Android. And, and they're getting really hard to find. Uh, I think we talked about it one time. I had to go get an Android 4.4 device, which is the bare minimum that we support in. We really need to drop it, but I don't know if we can. Um, and let me look at the dashboard really quick. Android dashboard, Google that distribution dashboard and 4.4 is still still 7% of the market. 7%. I think my car, my car runs Android 4.4. My little head unit has Android on it. You are the problem, Frank. (laughs) I'm never updating it. (laughs) I mean, technically there's still 4% of people running all older versions and these are just hitting the app store um, yeah in general i think i think mac is one of the hardest ones for backwards compatibility like you said on ios it's well a it's easier to keep a device around because phones are small so i can keep older phones around and test on older versions of the os but b people upgrade a lot faster so you can almost count on them using a semi-modern version of the operating system uh I don't, Android's definitely a mess, <laughs> as you said, but I, I generally use uh, very minimal APIs, so it tends not to affect me too much. Windows, Microsoft is good about backwards compatibility, I find. Uh, so I, I don't think about that much. That's why I always think of Mac as one of the worst ones, because Apple loves to just move on forward with APIs and you got to keep up with them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that that is one of the things. And if you're using the new API, if you're using new APIs too, that also makes it quite tricky because you're using new APIs, you know, make sure you don't, one thing doesn't fall through the crack. Uh, that's definitely a problem with 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 even iOS or Android using new APIs on older hardware. It's like you could do everything right, but then you miss one call and boom, uh, your app crashes because something is is not compatible or using a third party dependency and they're like, Oh, sorry, we dropped support for this and boom, done. So and then, then you got to make that hard decision. But did you test everything? And is it amazing? And nope. That's how I'm going to be spending the rest of my oh. evening. <laughs> these, oh, perfect. Uh, okay. Yeah. These are some of the, I, I, I'm a little bit lucky. I think that not a lot of people are updating to uh, Catalina, but the problem is I don't have good, um, uh, insights. I don't have a good ray gun. I don't have good numbers for the Mac version of iCircuit. On iOS, I have amazing numbers. I know exactly what's working and what's not working. But on Mac, I'm a little bit blind to the world. And I'm, though I feel a little bit lucky that 
it's just a Catalina thing and not many people are updating or it's going to be a slower update process. But at the same time, I got to get this fix out there. I can't stand having an app that crashes on launch. It is so embarrassing, (laughs) if not bad for my customers, obviously. (laughs) But just let's go with embarrassing is the number one reason I got to get this fixed. Yeah, those beta summers, they they come turn into beta falls. They turn into production falls. That's what happens. And, uh, and now the, the other issue that comes out is now that Catalina and iOS 13 not only shipped in the wild, but because devices that are shipping new will ship with this OS on it, which means that even if your customers are slow to upgrade, there are going to be new customers every day buying new devices. And that is the issue as well. So it's going to, you know, cascade, if you will. Yep. Cascade, Mm, beta fall, beta hangover, lots of good words (laughs) for what's all just going on here. (laughs) Well, thanks for letting me tell you a story of a bug. I felt so bad about it. I just wanted to talk about my terrible programming abilities. No, I think you're a great programmer and um, you're amazing, Frank. And I think I like uh, and it's it's a it's a tr- it's a tale of this can happen to you at some point and probably will happen. It, you know, just especially, by the way, as as these new releases of the operating system become, let's be honest, not quite as stable as they used to be. <laughs> um, I'm just saying, like, honestly, I was listening to. Uh, who was it? Oh, our, our good friend. Oh, no, was it? Was no, it? I think it Can I was. Ring the bell? I, no, no, it wasn't. It wasn't <laughs> Gruber. It wasn't Marco. I think it was on the Tech Meme r- Ride Home. And uh, they were talking about the new releases. I think he might have been talking about Gruber. Like it's meta, right? It's a podcast talking yeah, about another sure. podcast. Uh, and he was saying that he's like, oh, I'm not. No, I'm not going to upgrade. You know, I'm going to give it months, basically, is what he was saying. Yeah, which is not good. So, yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah, but, you know, these things will happen. And even me, I, I will say right now what I'm struggling with is theming support. So this is we'll probably talk oh. about it maybe next week. But uh, iOS 13 and Android 10 have very, you know, I and even Mojave had this implication and I wasn't ready for it. And I've been learning a lot. And uh, I think we'll have a good debate about it because it is something that doesn't impact your app app but then impacts your app a hundred percent even if you don't do anything and that is what i'm realizing so you got to test it on the new stuff and i'm glad that they at least found a fix and i'm gonna let you have your beautiful friday evening back to spin up a bunch of servers that you have uh legally purchased um in the past so um before we let you out of here frank we have a community uh sponsor uh we do these community classifieds if you will uh, our good friend Damien, he has built this amazing application called Voice in a Can. And Frank, you use this app, correct? I do use this app, and I'm so excited to talk about it. So this app, well, I'll tell you how I personally use it. I use it to connect from my Apple Watch to my Echo, the word I'm not allowed to say, my Hey Dingus device. And it's fantastic because Amazon doesn't have this app. And so from my wrist, I can tap on the complication from my home screen, bark out some really inane commands, and then a magic device over magic airwaves obeys my commands. 
It's kind of great. I really just love talking into my wrist, turning the lights on and off, locking, unlocking doors. It feels like the future. All thanks to Voice in the Can. That is correct. Yeah. If you have an Echo device and it's digital assistant, dingus, uh, you can use this app on Apple Watch, iPhone, Mac, Windows, Android, Wear OS, Samsung Galaxy watches, and the Xbox. And it's all created in C Sharp with Xamarin. How cool is that? Um, it's standalone, so you can use it uh, cellular with your Apple Watch if you have that. So you don't even need your phone nearby. And now there are some restrictions, of course, through Amazon, but you know, like you won't be able to play music. But besides that, you can turn on your smart devices, add items to your shopping list, ask questions, and so much more. It is your dingus on your wrist. Go to voiceincan.com. Thanks to Damien for sponsoring this community classified. Super cool. I love apps like this. Really cool. Fantastic. And, and it was, I, I just desperately wanted that app and it was there and it worked great. <laughs> and it's everywhere. Very cool. All right, Frank, we'll go off, go fix all your bugs and good luck on your submission. And I hope that they approve it. Lickety split. And that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace.